Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This ain't over. It's a big story. This week, RCMP Superintendent Darren Campbell's notes following the Nova Scotia murders reveal that RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky criticized Campbell and other RCMP personnel for not informing the public what kinds of rifles uh, Maskiller Wartman used, complaining, according to the notes, that she'd promised Prime Minister Trudeau and then Public Safety Minister Bill Blair that information, that particular information, would be released in time. With the government's move to declare any illegal rifles, which are styled after military, military assault rifles, illegal, uh, Trudeau and Blair deny any pressure was put on Lucky, while Superintendent Campbell's notes, four important pages of which were delayed for several months in being turned over to the inquiry, speak of great pressure from the PMO and the minister and others. More will come out on this, I'm sure. We have an opportunity now, though, to speak with Tim Mills. He was the RCMP officer in charge of the Nova Scotia RCMP ERT tactical unit on the night of the mass shootings in April of 2020, during which 22 people died. Mr. Mills resigned from the RCMP six months after responding that um, to the shootings and after 29 years as a Mountie. And Mr. Mills told the public inquiry investigating, quote, I didn't expect upper management to fight and abuse us, to treat us the way they treated us after I gave the best we could, end quote. Mills said the abuse by RCMP senior officers was worse than the war zone he and his team encountered during the April 18, 2020 massacre. Mr. Mills and his ERT unit also attended the Moncton, New Brunswick mass shootings. Tim Mills joins us. Tim, thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Roy. Thanks a lot. Can you tell us about the RCMP tactical team you led and what your engagements might mostly have consisted of? Yeah, the emergency response team, or just, it's basically a SWAT team, and there's there's different acronyms or names all across North America for teams like this. And what these hurt teams or SWAT teams do is armed and barricaded persons, hostages, high risk search warrants, VIP escorts, uh, bush tracking like a rural uh, uh, finding someone in the woods, armed ship boarding here because we're on the coast, and uh, aircraft assaults in case any hijacked aircrafts uh, uh, landed in Halifax. Okay, so here you are. It's April the 18th, 2020, nighttime. And that would, I imagine, cause additional issues and challenges for an ERT team dealing with the time of day. How prepared were you? And I mean this in the sense of how much material did you have of what you needed to do your job? How prepared were you and your team to deal with what happened on that night? One gunman moving from community to community, shooting and killing people without a readily identifiable motive. Yeah, an uncontained armed person is one of the worst calls you can get. And, you know, there's been 
numerous manhunts all over North America that have gone on for days or weeks and FBI or whatever, unable to catch them. So it is your worst case scenario, um, him having a vehicle, especially a marked unit, you know, just made it that much tougher. So when we arrived on scene, no one knew where he was. You know, you, you go with what you know, last, you know, known point where he was or last uh, sighting. And so we believed, you know, he probably still was there or uh, in the area. And you just start prioritizing what you have to do for equipment, like being part of uh, the Moncton experience gave us some experience for something like this. Uh, you know, our equipment, we were fairly well equipped, but you get into, you know, lack of manpower, lack of helicopters and lack of a common operating picture, which is a mapping uh, system that goes on your phone, able to track where your members are. And, and it gives you a good idea where everyone is and, and the area you're working with. Then then three major things were, you know, were lacking. Okay, so it was almost a, a chase situation for you, chasing what was happening in one place, and Wortman was, was moving from place to place and killing in those places. You, I find this um, extremely uh, challenging. I mean, I can't imagine how you dealt with it. You personally found your fellow officer, Constable Heidi Stevenson, shot and killed in her cruiser. You, you've been quoted as saying the series of events that night was much worse than Moncton's mass shooting. What can you share about the time between your discovery of Constable Stevenson and the shooting of Wardman, which happened not long afterward? Well, that whole evening, uh, just a carnage and, and like the war zone type fires, explosions, you know, uh, you know, casualties. It's just, it was surreal, but you know, you just stay focused, you know, you let your training kick in and then, you know, your main goal is to track him down and stop him, whatever means necessary. Okay. Um, may I ask you, how, how many uh, how many officers were on that uh, tactical team that night? There were 13 of us. Um, after Mayor Thorpe uh, tragedy and after the Moncton, Moncton tragedy, you know, it's been studied and you know, they come to the conclusion every province should have an 18-man full-time ERT team. So we should have been 18. Uh, this had, you know, been spoken of for years. And we were only at 13, and only five of us at that point were full-time, and eight of our guys were part-time. Okay. It, it could, have, could have taken a lot longer to find Wardman than it did after you had discovered Constable Stevenson. It was just circumstances which made it possible for your officers to find him. Um, what's your reaction, Tim, to this week's news stories about Superintendent Darren Campbell's notes stating that Commissioner Lucky wanted him to make public to media the types of firearms Wortman used because the commissioner had promised Public Safety Minister Bill Blair that she would do so, allowing the Liberals to use this information in order to underscore their assault-style rifle ban? be honest it doesn't surprise me at all i mean i believe the vast majority of canadians understand how corrupt trudeau is and uh you know brenda was appointed by him and and i think what's come out this week just confirms that the reason he hasn't been investigated or charged with any of this corruption or scandals and i could take up you know minutes describing how many scandals are out there he's never been investigated and it's because brenda lucky is his puppet 
Wow. Superintendent Campbell wrote about great pressure from Mr. Trudeau, from Mr. Blair, and and as did others um, in their notes, which have been brought forward, um, to provide the information on Wortman's guns. Does Superintendent Campbell's assertion, I think I know what the answer is now, does it sound about sound about uh, right to you? Because you spoke at the public inqu- inquiry into the mass shooting of the about the abuse you faced from the RCMP, which you said was worse than the war zone you encountered during the 2020 massacre. Yeah, when I say it was worse, I mean I was affected worse by fighting upper management. But to get into, you know, you can't label any organization as everyone being bad or any corporation, but... Superintendent Campbell is one of the ones that supported us. He's a stand-up person. He's an intelligent person. He uh, He's the one that righted the ship after the disaster of a press release uh, the CEO and the crops officer did. Um, he helped as best he could with us. I have a lot of time for him. I respect him. I believe him 100%. He's a great investigator. Um, he's. I would respect him way more than I would respect Brenda. It's interesting, uh, former Commissioner Bob Paulson quoted in the Globe and Mail saying very similar things about uh, Superintendent Campbell. Tim, you spoke about being proud of your tactical team and how the team responded to the carnage you discovered, given the tools that you had at your disposal. You also told us a few minutes ago about what your team needed and didn't have, including a full complement of officers and the ability to map and track events on the ground. Can you talk to us a bit about about this team you're proud of because there have been criticisms about about how the RCMP performed that night. Yeah, as I said, 13 uh, guys there, uh, really dedicated. Uh, you know, we wanted to catch that guy that night as quick as we could. Uh, you know, with what we had, um, no common operating picture that was taken away from us. That was That was a big handicap to us. Um, only being 13 and not 18, so we're down five bodies. Uh, no helicopters, that was a big one. And that was identified after Moncton. Uh, an RCMP or police helicopter really would have assisted us as well and made things uh, run a bit smoother that night. So with what we had and uh, the situation we were dealing with, extremely proud of the team, what we got done, and with what we had, we, we gave it our best and, and, you know, basically fought a mini war for, for, for everyone here. What can you share with us? And I mentioned the word abuse earlier. You used that. What can you share about the abuse you faced from our MP superiors? And let me just add this. Where do you believe this behavior originated? Who do you think may have greenlit you being treated as you were? I truly believe it's uh, civilian inspector Kelly Sullivan. Everything points to that. I've done my investigation. Uh, we tried to have this investigated several times, and it kept getting swept under the rug. I put a formal request into her boss, uh, Superintendent Rob Doyle, to have this investigated. Nothing was done. So I fought for a year to, for someone to, to listen and basically here and this was on behalf of the team not just me um finally after a year some independent complaints reviewer out of ottawa which is sort of attached to the rcmp uh there's four 
counts against uh, Kelly, five counts against uh, Rob Doyle there. But it's been a year. They haven't even assigned an investigator yet, so I doubt that that's going anywhere. But when I said earlier, like, <clears throat> dealing with Portapec and the carnage and what we've seen and what we went through and, you know, all the backlash in the media and the news, that, that's easy to deal with, I mean, because we know what we did. But when you have to fight your own em- employers and starts off with lack of support, and then when you start trying to bring this to their attention, then they target you and they fight against you. That's when I start losing sleep with, you know, the fight, the internal fight, and just the lack lack of support and the, the abuse that, you know, after six months, I was just like, you know, enough's enough. I can't work for this organization anymore. Left a job I loved doing that I felt I was good at. So, yeah, it's definitely a bitter feeling, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you tried to get some decompression time off for your team members, and they said no. It wasn't even time off, Roy. It, it was the part-time guys I mentioned. They were supposed to go back to work, frontline policing, uh, just, you know, dealing with frivolous stuff, uh, you know, COVID tickets, stuff like that, uh, speeders or whatever, after they just been through this carnage and, you know, couple of them approached me and just asked, you know, listen, we've been through this. It's only been a week. Is there any chance we can get more time just, you know, to decompress? And I was like, yeah, amazing idea. I've worked frontline policing for over 20 years. Put the request in uh, for two weeks for them just to come in and work full time with us because we had numerous tasks that we had to get done for the aftermath of this. And, uh, Everything looked like it was going good for about 24 hours, and then we got the pushback big time, and it turned into a big fight. And, uh, yeah, it just it totally disgusted me. And, and nobody from the senior ranks checked personally with you or the team? We were in the same building headquarters in Nova Scotia here. It's only four floors. It's not a big building. The CO, Lee Bergerman, and the crops officer, Chris Leather, they would have to drive by our locker every day to go to their parking spot inside. They never once stopped in to check on us or thank us or just anything. Um, no emails come to us. There was one officer, and he's not even attached to ERT, a federal policing officer. He come down a week later, just come in to see us, and he was shocked that no one had seen us within a week or two, and it blew him away. And, you know, he... He was ashamed of basically uh, the upper ranks for not even acknowledging us. So after 29 years, including engaging in ways to defend your communities, most people couldn't imagine. You retired. You walked away. Couldn't take it anymore. Ultimately, do you feel like senior RCMP officers and officials cared for their own images more than they cared about the well-being of your tactical ERT unit? Yes, 100%. And I mean, the majority of members realize that while they're working and put up with it. And um, it's just when, under these circumstances, with all the the stress and what we went through and fighting for what's right and just the pushback, it, uh, it really <laughs> cemented they're in it for themselves. Uh, you know, the majority of upper managers, they're there for the rank, the power, the pension, 
whatever. They're not in it for the membership anymore. So it, it became very evident, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I was fortunate enough to have uh, the service to retire. <laughs> I'm sure there were a bunch of guys on the team, and some of them had said it. They just didn't have the service to do what I was doing. So, you know, my heart goes out to them, that's for sure. Yeah. We have about 20 seconds. You do believe Superintendent Campbell, yes? No, 100%. I believe him. If it's written in his notes, and I can say during that meeting, there would be other people there that would be able to uh, confirm what he said, and I'm sure if it's investigated, it's going to show he's telling the truth 100%. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.